We're gathered in the name of Jesus. You're in the midst. It's evident already. Thank you for that. And Lord, we just want to see you glorified this morning and your will accomplished. We do pray for everyone that's not here today because they're ill. May they experience your healing power even now. And Lord, those of us that are not sick, may we remain well in Jesus' name. So just be glorified in our hearts and in our lives this morning. Thanks, Father. And everybody said with me, amen. Okay, you came ready to sing and worship, so let's do it. Come on.
Amen. 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 Jesus said, your word is truth. Amen. We're going to move right into communion. Go ahead and be seated. Communion is open to anyone here, but just a couple of thoughts as we get ready to open up these little symbols of the greatest expression of love the world has ever known. Just a quick thought on communion. We, we take our understanding of it from several things. I don't have the time to get go into all the background of it, but very simply, Paul wrote a letter to the church in the city of Corinth, and he explained to them what communion really was all about, because they had misconstrued it terribly. And he writes these words. He said, I passed on uh, to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread, referring to the Passover feast that they celebrated, what we call the Last Supper, and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces. He said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that powerful? You know, you're making an announcement today when you partake of communion that the Lord is returning soon, we hope. Amen? Amen. But he goes on and he says this to them. He says, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. I want to take a moment right now before we walk through communion, because communion is one of those things that can become very churchy, very traditional, and you can go on autopilot with. It's really easy to do that. But it's designed to be a quality check on our hearts. Let me ask you several questions as you examine your own heart. And first of all, Ask the Lord to help you examine your heart. Here's the first thought is this. Do you truly believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Lots of times people come to church and they're not even truly Christians. Are you? Have you made that commitment to him? Have you repented of your sins and asked him to forgive you? Have you entered into that relationship with him? Ask yourself that question. The second question I want you to ask is this. Is there any known sin in my life that I have not confessed and repented of? Nobody here is perfect. That's for sure. But what what I'm talking about, what Paul was referring to too, is sin that we we just get used to and we just leave it there and we excuse it. Is there any sin in your life that needs to be confessed? This isn't about condemnation. This is about conviction that brings freedom. Amen? And if you've got sin in your life, ask the Lord to forgive you right now and get it out of the way. Amen? Amen. And walk in freedom. Oh, there's, uh, there's a bunch of questions I wrote, and I'm not going to share them all with you. How about this one? Are there any re- unresolved conflicts or bitterness in relationships? Do I need to seek forgiveness from someone or extend forgiveness to others? Where are we at with that, friends? 
before we partake. You know, you can just go and rip the top off of this thing and you eat the bread and drink the little juice. That's not what it's about. It's about making sure we're right with God and with others. Amen? Let's take a moment. Let's take a moment and make sure that we're, we're that's just three. You're probably glad I didn't give you the other seven. Lord, we're examining our hearts right now. God, I pray that if there's somebody here that's not really a Christian, that maybe they're kind of churchy or spiritual or religious or just coming to church. God, I pray that every single one of us here is walking in a very real relationship with you. Help us to get there and be there, Lord. I pray to God that every single one of us would examine our hearts right now and be honest before you because, God, we can't pull a wool over your eyes anyway. So if there's some sin that we're walking in that we've gotten used to, that we've excused, that we've made allowance for, God, help us to confess that and to deal with it so we can walk in freedom. It will it'll lead to our bondage, Lord, and we don't want that. Help us. And now, Lord, I do pray. Sometimes, God, we have messy situations in our lives. Uh, relationships are kind of gotten ugly and difficult, maybe fractured or worse. And God, sometimes there's not much we can do about it, and other times there is. And God, I, I just pray that right now that every one of us, God, will take the steps that are necessary. God, to at least hopefully bring some sort of resolution or, or even reconciliation. Help us, God. We don't want to just do the communion thing and it have no meaning. Help us to connect it to our, our lives, we pray. Can you say amen to that before we partake? I don't want a relationship with Jesus that's just religious, do you? I don't want that boring peel back you don't have to pull it all the way off just pull it off part way and take out the little wafer something so humble symbolizes something so amazing his broken body his body nailed to a cross Even after 51 years of walking with him, it still amazes me. In gratitude today, take this little cracker, little wafer, and in gratitude, express your thanks to the one who took your place, paid your penalty, paid mine. In gratitude, take and eat. moment and just simply say, Lord, thank you. Thanks for taking my place. Can you do that? Come on. Lord, thank you for taking my place. Salvation is a gift, friends. You can't merit it. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can only receive it. Lord, thank you. And now, carefully pull off the 
the cover on the juice. And again, you don't have to pull off it part way. There's no remission of sins without shedding of blood, it tells us. Jesus shed his blood so that you and I don't have to, didn't have to shed our own blood. He took our place. That's what happened on that cross. He took your place. Paul said he became, he didn't just take sin upon us. He became the very embodiment of sin. The one who knew no sin became sin. That's almost unfathomable. In gratitude and appreciation for what he's done, take and drink. Hallelujah. Are you grateful? I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to sing. The ushers are going to come and collect the little cups. But as they're doing that, I believe the power of God is present to heal. I, I, I believe that. I'm not just saying that. I believe the power of God is present to heal. I want you to pray with me right now that everybody in this house that needs healing will receive it. Amen. There are things that I'm praying for you guys constantly about, and that's your healing and the blessing of prosperity upon you. I'm praying those things all the time. Lord, I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that everybody in this house that needs healing. Lord, we prayed for those who've got the flu or whatever, but Lord, I'm talking about people who are facing some hard things, maybe some long-term things. God, people that aren't here today because of physical issues. I pray, God, I believe your power is present to heal, and I'm trusting you that you're going to heal and restore in Jesus' name and for your glory and for your honor, I pray. Yeah, relationships too. Relationships too, but God, for physical, our physical bodies right now in Jesus' name. Let's, hallelujah. Us is going to collect these cups. I hope you will. I, I hope that you'll be serious about restoring relationships and forgiveness because many times physical healing is tied to forgiveness. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing and let's worship the Lord. We'll collect the cups.
mighty power of the cross of Jesus Christ, the reason that we're alive, the reason that we can say we're alive. I mean, how about a shout of praise for that? Hallelujah. And if he's the reason that we're alive, the thing that we put our hope and our joy and our trust in, can we come together and be consistent in everything that we do, be consistent in coming to him, not just in the bad times, not just in the great times, but through everything that we do. You know, the heart beats so many times a minute. And it goes out into the body and then it returns to the heart. That should be our cycle of prayer every day. That's how consistent our prayer life should be. That we go about our day, but every time we go out and we return to him. We go through something and then we return to him. Not once a quarter, not once a week, all day. So that we can be in communication with him. We can be in connection with him. So that he can guide us. We can ask him for strength and guide us and power. Because we're coming to him because we are putting our full trust in him you know it says you can prophesy in his name you can go to church in his name but do you truly have a relationship with him in which you spend time with him every day because we should be able to come to him it's like having a conversation with our best friend all the time Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your strength in this thing right now. And the more we're consistent with that, the more we're in that, the more he will reveal to us. The more he will speak to us. The more he will allow us to be used as opportunities to reach others. So Lord, I pray right now that each and every one of us are consistent in our prayer life with you, Lord. That we are consistent spending time with you, Lord. That like the heart, we go out into the world and we come back to you all throughout the day, Lord. So that you can speak to us and guide us in which you need us to do. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. How about we lift up a shout of praise for him? Just one more time. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, good morning, I'm Pastor Chris. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning, and we do that around here just by clapping for you, to honor you, so welcome. But of course, we don't want to just clap for you, right? We don't want to just welcome you that way. We're a family, and we want to truly be connected to you. And the easiest way for us to do that is for you to text the word welcome to the number that comes up on the screen. A little link will come back to you. It just takes about 20 seconds or so to fill it out. And then once you fill it out, just like that, shabam, we are connected. We're also available on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can even contact the office at office at seaportcommunitychurch.org. And then we also have this other awesome thing called the Church Center app. And there's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. You can download that so that you have access to all these awesome opportunities that we have going on. And we do have a whole bunch of things. So I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. There is a newcomer's reception right after this, and Pastor Brad will talk about that. That is today. But if you haven't figured this out yet, we are a praying church. We love prayer. It's important, right? That's right. Hallelujah. And so make sure you guys figure out when you can get on one of these awesome prayer calls or come join us for prayer on Saturday nights. Every Saturday, we have prayer in the fireplace room, and we're praying for today's service. So make sure you guys find some opportunity to join us in prayer. Uh, Wednesdays, we just started and kicked off the growth track. It was an awesome first day of growth track. It's, we're kicking it off. It's 
keep it going this week, so make sure you guys, if you haven't signed up for something, if you missed this past Wednesday and you didn't sign up for something, that's okay. It's still all right to join. Make sure you guys are looking for that in the app, and you can sign up for it in the app. There is a church ski trip. It's happening on January 27th, and it's going to Wachusett's Mountain. The deadline to sign up for this is January 17th. It says there will be snow, so I'm praying that there will be snow for everybody that's going. Well, prices for the beginners and all the details are all located where? In the app, that's right. Make sure you guys are getting your appetites ready because the chili cook-off is coming on February 4th. And for those of you that are chili, you know, want to get that golden spoon, make sure you guys are getting your recipes ready for that because it's always, it's always something. Um, the Royal Rangers Winter powwow. the registration is open for that, and that's going to be in February. Make sure you guys are saving the date for both YouthCon and Fine Arts Festival. That's on March 8th and 9th, and that is an awesome opportunity if you have youth and teens and they haven't been to YouthCon or they haven't been to Fine Arts. It is an awesome opportunity for them to go and praise and worship with other kids in the district. It's amazing. Um, the Sight and Sound Theater Day Trip is on March 15th. It's going to be awesome. You guys can sign up for that in the app. And then, hey, the Men's Encounter is coming up, so make sure you guys are getting ready for that because that's like two years at church in one weekend. So make sure you guys are ready for that. Next up, Pastor Brad. Yeah, it's often been said that God will do as much in your heart in that Men's Encounter, in that 48 hours, than will happen in going to church faithfully for two years. That's how much of a fire hose it is. It's unlike anything I've ever seen in all my life what it produces. We've seen people free from addictions. We've seen marriages healed. Uh, we've seen people set free from long-term bondages and, and stuff that's locked them in place. Uh, we, we've just seen some radical transformations. It's not a conference. It's not a retreat. It's not a workshop. It's none of that. This is an encounter with Jesus. And uh, so it's really potent. It's really potent. So be part of that. I guarantee you, if you embrace it, you will never be the same. I guarantee it. So anyway, be part of that. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm not sure. Wendy, are you here? Was She was going to be with us. I don't know. What. Wendy, there you are. Come on up here, Wendy. Come on. Come on, Wendy. I was looking for you. I couldn't see you. Come on. So Wendy, Wendy was baptized just a couple of weeks ago. And so we want to make sure. what well, we do something a little different these days. Come on up here, Wendy. We do something a little different, and uh, we don't just give a certificate. We wait till they're baptized. We take the picture, and this is the picture that you see up there on the screen. We put it on their certificate of baptism, and so every time they see this, they can be reminded of that wonderful event. Congratulations to you. So great. It's great to see you. You too. Isn't that great? It's great. It's another water baptism coming up, and you'll be, hearing, you'll be hearing about that. If you've never been baptized in water, then uh, you ought to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. You ought to be. If Jesus was baptized in water, I think we should be. Right? Amen. Amen and amen. So just a, a couple of a real quick things here um, as we receive the offering. The Lord spoke to me and, and told me to... Use his money, it's his money, right? To buy all of you a book. And so I said, well, what book do you want? And so the Lord directed me to this book, The Treasure Principle. It's not a, some of you say, oh, I'm not a reader. Well, that's okay, but it's not a long book. You can get through it, I'm sure. But this is what I want you to do. This is a free book. There's no, nothing attached. The only requirement is that you read it. That's amazing, huh? 
So what I want you to do right now, this book is going to help you to understand some scriptural principles about finances and money and what Jesus, Jesus is true. Jesus spoke more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell. You know that, right? Far more. Because he knew, he knew what rules the heart controls the destiny. And so that, this book will help you. Uh, and it's free to you. Just go on the app, sign up for it, so we know how many copies to order. As soon as they come in, you'll be notified. You can pick it up out there at the, at the Welcome Center. Or just put that in my heart to do. And uh, so just um, anyway, and I need you to pray about something. You know, we, it's, been a, it's been kind of an interesting start to the year, kind of a challenging start. And it's kind of, financially, it's been kind of, a, kind of a bumpy ride into the first part of the year. Uh, you'll, see that, you'll see our budget versus our actuals there. This is year to date, okay? This is from January 1 to today. And that's, that's our budget versus our actuals. You know what? We don't hide anything around here about the money. It's just right. You can ask anything about the money. And so that's where we're at. So let's just pray with me and let's be faithful to give. Amen? And honor the Lord. So you guys are great that way. Let's continue to be that way. Thank you for that. I I love what it says in the book of Proverbs. Listen to this. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds what? Anybody not want life, prosperity, and honor? Well, the way to that is not finding the best business deal. The best way to that is pursuing what? There you go, right there. As we, as we give today, and there's, this next slide will show you how, how you can give. There's a lot of different ways to give today. Let's pray that we be pursuers of righteousness and love. Right, righteousness just means a right relationship with Jesus. Can we pray that way? And then, you know what? Giving just flows out of that. It just, just flows out of that. Father God, thank you. Help us today. Lord, you want to bless us with life, prosperity, honor, all the things, Lord, that really are pretty important. But help us to be pursuers of righteousness and love. Help us to pursue you and love you and love others. Thanks, Father, because then we know that you'll bless us with life, prosperity, and honor. Amen, friends? Amen. Amen. You know how to give. There's ways to give. You can do it. everything from old school to giving boxes out there to online. Lots of ways to do that. Thank you for being faithful. I appreciate that so very, very much. I'm going to, do, I'm going to release our middle schoolers to the fellowship hall. They're going to slip out. They're going to go out the, the back doors, and then they're going to go over to the fellowship hall, which is to the right. Uh, those of you that are here, and maybe today's your first Sunday, or you've been couple of times you'd like to find out more about the church I'm going to slip out with Jessica uh, and we're going to go in you can go out this way or you can go around down the hallway to our fireplace room we'll meet you there and Adam is going to come right now and he's going to kick off a brand new series and he's on the book of Acts and we're going to walk through the Acts of the Apostles this year in a series called Unstoppable. And I've been excited about this. I've asked Adam to kick off the series. And so, Adam, come on. Middle schoolers, you're out that way. Newcomers, you come with me over here to the fireplace room. Good morning, church. I feel like we started off hot and you guys have gotten, gotten a little chilly.
going to do my best to wake you back up. Not even a snicker at that. Man, you guys are asleep. Let's go. Whew. All right. People who say that the Bible is boring have never read the Acts of the Apostles. We're talking 20, or 30 years of hardship, intrigue, of miracles, and acts of God, all crammed into 28 chapters. This church needs to learn the lessons of the book of Acts. We need to see and witness the power of God in the book of Acts so that we can get serious about Kingdom building, because that same unstoppable Holy Spirit of God that is ever present in the early church is still present, is still active in the church today. Acts was written by Luke uh, as kind of a sequel to his gospel account. It's written, uh, he was uh, commissioned to do this by Theophilus, a high-ranking Roman official, most likely, that wanted to know about Jesus and his followers. And Luke reminds Theophilus at the very beginning of the book of Acts how the gospel ended and what the impetus for this second book would be. So turn to the book of Acts. I'm going to read the first three verses, and we're going to get into it. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with how Jesus, all Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here's the setup to this book. Jesus is who he claimed to be, according to the scriptures. Two, he gave the great commission to his apostles. And three, he has ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, where he rules and reigns currently until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. The risen Christ spent 40 days with the apostles dealing with things that they had gone through during his ministry that maybe they didn't understand according to the scriptures and then telling them now that he has risen again from the dead what they are responsible to do, what they are, uh, how they are meant uh, to live. The Acts of the Apostles, this book, it's, it's, the apostles going forth and living the Great Commission. They are going forth and, and doing to fulfill the Great Commission under Christ's authority and by the power of the Holy Spirit, thereby spreading the kingdom of God. So for today's message, if you didn't notice, I got a whole bunch of tabbies. So we are we're going all over the place. We're going to start in Luke 24, verse 44. We are, I'm trying to give us a little bit of context here. What I'm going to do is talk about upon Jesus' resurrection, what he says to the apostles. And then 
we'll talk about right before the book of Acts, right before he is ascended into heaven. So Luke 24, starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to, uh, in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So then over 40 days, Christ taught the apostles from Scripture who he was and what was to come. This is why we need to read the Bible. How do we read the Bible? From cover to cover, over and over. Yes, it's starting to become a catchphrase. It's not as easy as shabam, but it is, we're working on it. But that's, the Bible explains to us, as, as Christ taught to his apostles, it, it, the things that have happened. It explains to us why they have happened. It explains to us how we are meant to live. And it assures us that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish the things that it tells us to go forth and do. So then after 40 days, uh, Jesus gives his apostles one final word before he ascends into heaven. So this is Acts. Flip back over. Hope you kept your finger where it was. Uh, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus tells his disciples at the beginning of the 40 days, and at the end of the 40 days, wait for the Holy Spirit. But in between those days, he has a 40-day, basically a Bible study with, the, with his apostles. He walks through the scriptures with them. He illuminates who he was and who he is and the doctrine of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in this way, emphasizes practical study and an understanding of the scripture, but not without the necessity of the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing that I've learned from, from preaching, it's that 
study, preparation, and understanding are of the utmost importance. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't intervene in my heart and my mind and my mouth, well, then I can say all the smart things I want to, and there's no power in anything that I say. Now, likewise, if I got up on stage, did no preparation, had no understanding, and expected the Holy Spirit to empower me to say something to all of you, there would still be no power. Because relying on the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we don't do the preparation, doesn't mean that we don't have to have an understanding of Scripture. See, when we do the study, when we understand what the Scripture has to say, that's when the Holy Spirit works in us. And then the Holy Spirit works through us when we go out and we see him work in other people, bring conviction. More on that Later, But this is how we build God's kingdom. It is an understanding of scripture and then a living out of that scripture. And the apostles did not understand how big this task was going to be. They didn't understand how Christ was going to usher in his kingdom. But Christ's message is one of patience, one of assurance. He says the kingdom will come incrementally, but nobody knows the time or the seasons. And I know the word season has really gotten to be a bit of Christianese. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a deep season of prayer nowadays, or I'm in a deep season of, of loss, or this. I'm in a season of this. The word season in this, it just, it just means an appropriate opportunity, an occasion for a specific thing. Think Ecclesiastes 3, or if you're not familiar with Ecclesiastes 3, think about the song by the birds. For everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now you know where they got the lyrics for that song from. But in that poetic portion, there's, there's times for different things. There's times for good things, right? There's time for birth and healing, laughing and peace. But there's also seasons of hardship. There's seasons of, of death, hate, war, and tearing down. God's kingdom trends upwards. But there will be, and we will see throughout this year, seasons of great difficulty in the book of Acts. And nobody knows how long these seasons will last, right? Upon the, uh, in, the, in the entirety of the timeline of the coming of the kingdom of God. But this task is going to take time. It needs to spread geographically. So there will be, Jesus says, there will be a season for Jerusalem, a season for Samaria, Judea, Asia, Europe, a season for America, a season for New England, for Connecticut. There will be a season for Groton. But let's not be hasty. The kingdom 
is not failing because of the time that it takes or the season that we happen to be in at this time. There will be seasons of victory. There will be seasons of sin followed by seasons of repentance and seasons of further victory. Not all of these far-flung places are going to be won at once. Each of them, even after they have received the gospel, even after that, they will still go through similar ups and downs, different seasons of life. See, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, he spoke about slow but all-consuming growth. What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like the grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Small seeds take a long time to become large trees. It doesn't happen overnight. And even still, they only bear fruit in certain seasons. And in others, we see the leaves fall off. And I don't know why we don't emphasize this more when we, when we talk about uh, uh, the parables of the kingdom. They're, they're simple. They tell us what we should do. They tell us what we should expect, right, when it comes to the kingdom of God. And they... they Parallel, a lot of the Old Testament prophecies. Daniel chapter 2 comes to mind. Or this from Isaiah chapter 42. It's a fairly, turn there. It's a, it's a fairly uh, well-known piece of scripture, Isaiah 42. But I, th- I think it bears repeating. I think it's, it is important for us to understand when it comes to the kingdom of God. Isaiah chapter 42, starting in verse 1. Behold, my servant, a servant who I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or discouraged till he has established justice on the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. The kingdom has its ups and downs. Jesus will find places that are faintly burning wicks. He will find bruised reeds. And he will not break those bruised reeds or, or extinguish that flame. So yes, you might feel this morning like a bruised reed. You might feel like you're running to the end of your wick. But Jesus is faithful. 
He is faithful to you. He is faithful to bring forth justice in the earth. In the earth. And this is how Jesus taught us to pray. I don't think we really hold on to this the way that we should, right? What did he say when he taught us how to pray? He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Where do we live right now? Man, you guys are asleep. Jesus is calling us to do something, and we're not praying in an impotent way. We are meant to go out and do something about the way it looks out there. And that's what the entire book of Acts is about. And Jesus says he is faithful to come and help us to do these things. His Holy Spirit will propel us to do these things. The coastlands that await God's law are the farthest reaches of the earth. Jesus told his apostles to go into all of the earth. And that adventure continues through us today. See, to the apostles, Groton, Connecticut would have been the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his apostles to be his witnesses. What does it mean? What does that mean to be a witness to Christ? It means to testify, to attest, to proclaim that Christ died on a cross facing the almighty wrath, uh, the wrath of almighty God on behalf of those who would come to faith in him. Three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And because of his atoning death and his glorious resurrection, we can be made right with God by repenting of our sin and turning to Christ in faith. Faith that he will justify us and be our substitute. That he will sanctify us as we seek to live a life in worship to him and that he will glorify us in everlasting life in a new creation when he comes again to know that to say that to proclaim that to live that way that's what it means to be Christ's witness Luke 24 Christ says Tell that to the nations. No one is exempt from the gospel. No one is too far gone. No one is too far away for the saving power of Christ Jesus. In Matthew 28, we get the full marching orders. This is the more kind of famous version of the Great Commission. I think it's, uh, I like it. It gives, a, it gives a little bit more context. So let's go to Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and in the 17th dimension, all authority in heaven and on earth. Thank you. 
has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is how the task of kingdom building is accomplished. All this watching and learning with Jesus in three years of ministry, them being, being uh, witness to the, his death and to his resurrection, that 40 days of scriptural study in between his resurrection and his ascension, all done so that the apostles can go forth and accomplish the goal of the Great Commission for as long as they live. Guess what? We are no different than them. That is our goal as well. We go under Christ's authority. The Lord preserving his word means that we get to speak prophetically to those around us, that we get to speak to uh, the culture, to this nation. We get to say, thus saith the Lord, because we have a book full of, the, full of his quotes. We get to go forth and say, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. We get to say the loving devotion of the Lord extends to those who fear him and his righteousness to their children's children. We get to go and say to the culture, we get to say, come to Jesus, all of you who are burdened, all of you who are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. And we can say it with conviction and we can say it with 100% certainty because it's in God's word. We can say this as witnesses for Christ and workers under his authority. And then after we say it, then we disciple them which just means teach them how to follow Christ. All of his teachings, by the way, all of Christ's teachings are the entirety. It's not just the New Testament. It's also the Old Testament. Nothing in God's word will ever pass away. And then we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of the one true God in three Persons, the only God that can save. And this is not about magic words and how, how we do this. It's about getting who God is right. One God, one essence, three persons. And now, if you're referring to yourself as a Christian these days, and you are and you have not been baptized, get baptized. It's a command. Jesus commands that we would be baptized. So get baptized. You know how the first way you are a witness to Christ is by getting baptized in the name of the triune God before, so everyone can see it. That's how you give witness for your faith in Christ. Get baptized. Christ assures his apostles 
that they won't have to do this alone, which may seem strange for a guy that then just ascended into heaven. But while Christ isn't with us bodily, his Holy Spirit lives inside all of those who are saved by him. This is the promise of the Father that will clothe them in power from on high. This is what allows them to be Christ's witnesses, to disciple nations, to bring God's law to the coastlands, to facilitate the growth of the tree that started as a mustard seed. And how, how does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, I'm glad that you're interested because we are going to find out over this entire year. So stay tuned. But Jesus did tell his disciples previously. He, he let them know what the ministry of the, the Holy Spirit looked like, what, it would, what the Holy Spirit would, uh, what he would do uh, in order to bring forth the kingdom of God. And it's recorded in John's gospel, John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to go from John 15 to all the way through to John 16 here. But I think, and I think this is important because we need to truly know who the Holy Spirit is. It's not a feeling. It's not a, it's not a mystical power. He is a person, the third person of the Trinity. And he has a ministry. He works in us and through us in our daily lives. So I think that in order to see what he's done in the early church, we need to understand who he is. I think this text is key to understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit and therefore key to understanding the entirety of the book of Acts. So John chapter 15, starting in verse 26. But when the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit comes from the Father to believers and bears witness to Christ. He empowers them to tell the, the world around them that Christ is Lord with certainty and with conviction. Christ's original disciples bear witness by the Holy Spirit because they had seen Christ's ministry. They saw what he had done. They bore witness to his death and to his resurrection. We bear witness to the ministry of Christ by the word of God. We see it. the Holy Spirit will never speak against what scripture has to say. Chapter 16, verse 1. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of their synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. And this is similar to Matthew 10, showing the work of the Holy Spirit during persecution. The Holy Spirit doesn't make everything go our way. This is not 
the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. No, in fact, the Holy Spirit, he gives us perseverance through the trouble. Because Christ says there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Not everyone is going to see continuous, easy victory. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is being hated by the world. It's being hated amongst unbelievers. Being the spirit of truth makes the Holy Spirit offensive. But we have to understand, we have to be able to, as Christians, we need to better be able to walk and chew gum. We need to be able to kind of hold two ideas at the same time and realize they don't contradict each other, right? We have to realize that, yes, the meek will inherit the 17th dimension. No, the meek will inherit the earth. And at the same time, the meek, those same meek, will be hated for the name of Christ. These are not contradictory statements. They are time and season specific, one generally leading to the other in a sort of cycle. But as I said, in an upward trend as God's kingdom grows. Throughout the entirety of the book of Acts, we will see the Holy Spirit continually get the apostles kicked out of synagogues, beaten, jailed, and killed. We will also see the Holy Spirit grow the church by thousands at a time. We will see the Holy Spirit give the apostles joy throughout that hardship. We will see how the Holy Spirit in the worst of times makes them obedient to Christ and gives them great perseverance. But I have said these things to you, that when your hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The Holy Spirit brings to mind the teachings of Christ. He brings to mind the promises that God has made. He increases our faith, maintains our joy, even when things aren't looking so good. But it's when, it's when our focus isn't on our own comfort. It's not on our own status. But when our focus is driven by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, well, then we can be joyful in all circumstances, in any circumstance, because we know that God keeps his promises and he's working it all together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But the Holy Spirit will not bring to mind that which you have not read or have not heard. This is why we read our Bibles from cover to cover, over and over. So we know the promises of God. So we know the commands of Christ. So we know the way we are meant to live to bring God glory. So that when we, so that when we need it, when we are at our lowest, when we don't think we can do it anymore, the Holy Spirit can bring to mind the promises of God that you are more than a conqueror. That the kingdom is going to continue on. 
The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's promises. He restores our confidence. He restores our joy, our faith, and our hope. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. See, Jesus knows by going away, this is going to, and telling them he's going, this is going to shake the confidence of the apostles. He understands that the apostles will need divine intervention in his absence. Now, as I said earlier in this, in John chapter chapter 14, 16, 15, 26, and 6, 7, we, we see the word helper used to describe the Holy Spirit. Some translations use the word comforter. But what it really means when you get, just get down to it, it just means someone who is called to your aid. And the Holy Spirit, because he dwells inside us, we, he doesn't have far to go when we need him. And Christ assures us that he will always be there with us. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So even though they're no longer going to see Jesus, they will not be alone. And as I said, we have that very same promise. All who are saved through faith in Christ have the assurance that the Holy Spirit will not leave you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And this is why the Holy Spirit is offensive. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And the sin of unbelief breaks the first commandment. The only way to not have other gods before the one true God of the Bible is by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us of our faithfulness and then brings us to faith. But how does that happen? Well, it happens when we go forth and we proclaim the gospel. It happens when we preach the word. We get to be the means for God's ends, which, are, which is the salvation of the world. I don't know. I think that's exciting. But concerning judgment, oh, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father... And you will see me no longer. Christ is our righteousness. He lived a perfect life and preached the righteousness of God everywhere he went. And we who live by the Spirit of God live in God's righteousness. We have that righteousness imputed to us and we preach God's righteousness and we may not do it perfectly but again 
Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. When God, if you are saved, when God looks upon you, he does not see your faults. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. So when we do screw up, that should be nothing more than assurance to get up and keep going. Because when God looks upon you, you are favored because what he sees is his perfect son. Praise him for that. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We preach Christ's victory over sin, death, and Satan. The devil has ultimately been defeated. But those who follow him against God and his will face the same judgment that he faces. And hell is a real place for those who die apart from Christ. And its torments are leveled upon them for eternity. But as believers, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to preach this away from the world. We get to grab the world and pull them out of the flames by preaching this incoming judgment. We get to be the way that people get pulled out of the grip of hell. We get to see that victory in action. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You ever feel that way when I'm <laughs> preaching? <laughs> when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the understanding of scripture is never beyond your reach. We're not all going to be biblical scholars. It's not necessary. It's good for the people that are called to that, yes. But a basic understanding of Scripture is not beyond your, not beyond your reach. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that brings you to understand the truth of what Scripture has to say. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. And this this word is the source of truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. The Holy Spirit does not operate outside of uh, or independent of the rest of the Godhead. Like Christ, the authority of the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And we see this in the prophetic nature of the writings in the New Testament, the kind of uh, uh, understanding and continuing application of God's law and the prophetic tradition in the Old Testament. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There is perfect unity and purpose within the Godhead. The Holy Spirit 
aligns us with that purpose. He empowers us to achieve it to the glory of God. Christ's marching orders, they would lead his disciples around the world, proclaiming his death and resurrection, which brings forgiveness of sin received by faith and repentance. Then he ascended into heaven, leaving 12 stunned guys with their eyes wide and their mouths open, looking into heaven. So much so that two angels had to come down and say to him, hey, what are you doing looking at the clouds? You just got your marching orders. Go, do what Christ told you to do. Go, wait, and pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. Go, wait, pray until you are clothed with power from on high and your great adventure begins. That same power dwells with you, within you and I this morning. That same adventure waits for us out there. Pastor Brad. Thank you, Adam. Some churches that you go into, you'll notice that as you, as you go out the door, often they'll have a sign posted that says something like this, now entering the mission field. Being a Christian isn't about coming to church. It's about coming to church to be prepared to go to the mission field, Amen. which is outside this building. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I want you to stand with me as we close. As we close. I'm excited about this journey through the book of Acts. It really shouldn't have been called the book of Acts. It should have been called the book of the Holy Spirit. As he empowers and enables those men to take the gospel in 30 years and literally transform the world. In one episode, that says those who have turned the world upside down have come here. It's going to be an amazing journey. Read Acts 1 and 2. I'll pick it up next week there. Come to the growth track if you haven't started. Get into that. Make this a great year of growth. Amen? Make it a great year. Don't, don't, don't procrastinate in any way. Jump in. Be part of it. I, I believe this study, and we're going to sing and close this out in just a moment. I believe that the book of Acts is going to factor into some of the amazing things that God has yet for this church. The book of Acts tells us that if God did it there, he can do it again. Amen? As we sing this song, I Speak Jesus. I want you to see yourself as one that needs to go forth and speak Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. You know what's been exciting around here? On Friday, on Friday, guy was delivering a helium tank, tank full of helium that we use to blow up balloons around here. You know, you wonder how those balloons stay up there? Well, we have a giant tank of helium. But anyway, the guy came in as one interested and left a follower of Jesus. 
because Andrea led him to the Lord. Just no big deal. One of you, Mark, I believe it is Mark, led a couple of young guys to the Lord Friday. Three names written down the Lamb's Book of Life on Friday. That's what's supposed to happen. That's not supposed to be unusual. That's supposed to be operating procedure, standard operating procedure for Christians. Amen? Amen. So let's be that. Let's be those who speak Jesus. Come on. Are, are you, let's sing this song. And as we do that, just ask, say, Lord, help me to, to speak Jesus everywhere I go. I'm not talking about pounding people, not that, not, but just using the opportunities. Amen? Come on, let's sing this song, and then, and then we'll close and give you an opportunity. Some of you will need prayer, so right after we sing this song, I'll have the ministry team come up. If you need prayer, they'll pray for you. Let's sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus, cause your name is power, your name is healing, your name is might, break every stronghold, shine through the shadows.
of sounding narrow-minded and exclusive. Let me just say this to you, because it's true. Only Christians carry the message of eternal life. We're the only ones. We are the only ones. That doesn't make us amazing. That doesn't make us better than anybody. It's not a, it just so happens that God found us and we opened our eyes, we saw him, embraced him and gave life and now become bearers of that light. Amen. It's a dark world. Let's go out there. Let's, as we close, let's do this. Let's just, I want you to do two things. I want you to say, God, just fill me with the power of your spirit. Fill me, refill me. And as you're doing that, I want you to lock on to the, to the, to the face of somebody that you love or know and just say, God, this year, help me to win at least that person to you. Amen? We just sang it for my family. Lord, fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Refill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, boldness, strength, wisdom. God, may the work of the Holy Spirit be so evident in our lives in this church. It's almost shocking. God, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. God, may all the attributes and all the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does, God, may they all be evident at Seaport Community Church. Nothing, God, we don't want anything less than everything that you have. Hallelujah. Fill me with the power of your Spirit like I've never known it. I'm praying that way for me. Are you praying that way for you? Come on, pray that way for you. We receive the power of your Holy Spirit. God, those of us who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, may we be baptized in your Holy Spirit. Those of us who, God, who've been baptized, just fill us again. It's overflowing. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, help every one of us to lock on to the face of the name of somebody that we love, we care about. Help us this year to see them come to know you. Hallelujah. Thanking you for that, Lord. Thanking you. Hallelujah. God, help us now to go into this mission field with boldness and with love and with truth. For your glory, we pray. Amen, friends. I'm going to dismiss. I'm going to ask you if um, the team is going to come. We're kind of shorthanded today due to illness. They're going to come on and pray for you about anything that you have need of. If you're going to be in the sanctuary, please be very quiet or go up better. Go out into the narthex, okay? So people that are receiving prayer can, can do so. God bless you guys. I'll see you Wednesday night. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, come and receive that. Hallelujah. If you need to go, God bless you. Just go quietly. Go on to the narthex. Don't forget your kids. God bless you guys. Hallelujah.